0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I am really excited. I, I could have this guest on talking about this subject every week because I, I think it's that critical and important for us to understand how important it is that we get, that we are seated with Christ in the heavens. That's out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. The scripture teaches that God's beloved, are are seated with Christ in the heavens. All right, just pause for a second and think about that. We are absolutely treasured by him, and we are given a place at his table. Okay, see how important it is to just be reminded of that? All right? Now, you can deal with your sin, which we all have to do. You can grieve losses, which I know you're, you have and are going to have. And we always want to be able to move forward in hope. And when you are seated securely at the table, dealing with these questions changes everything. And my guest, Dr. Heather Holloman, is going to talk to us about that today. And I'm always encouraged every time I get a chance to talk with her. She is the author of many books, and she uh, is a professor and uh, just a delight to have on the show. Heather, welcome back.
1: I'm so glad to be on your program again. It's, I always feel so good when they have me back on. It means that, you, that I don't annoy you. <laughs> that, well, you, you don't, that you no. don't mind talking to me.
0: No, I annoy myself, but that is, that's not <laughs> even part of the discussion right now. But it's, it's, so your subject, your book, is so important that we are constantly being reminded where we are, where we belong, how God has chosen us and seated us at the table. So we then make that's decisions right. based on where we're located. We're not lost right. in a troubled world. We're seated at the table in heaven.
1: That's right. And it is a daily reminder. I do remind myself of Ephesians 2 6 every day. I really do.
0: Yeah. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit too about this one verse, just because I think it ties a lot into the discussion we're going to have today. And it's a verse you uh, brought up, said, Why don't you read it? So here it is. And everybody knows this verse, Philippians 4 4 to 7, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's a verse that uh, is one of the most uh, Googled verses in in 2020, uh, was that verse.
1: That's right. I believe it. I love that verse. I love that verse, but the reason why I suggested that you read it is something that I'm learning is that people read that, they memorize it, they know it, but if you're anything like me, you actually don't ever put it into practice. You don't actually do it. And so this year, Bill, I've been so excited knowing my identity that I'm seated with Christ. That really delivered me from jealousy and comparison and helped me really begin to Love my life, but when you're seated with Jesus, imagine you're at that table and Jesus is saying to you, What is concerning you today? How can I bear your burdens? Tell me what the problem is. We so rarely go to the Lord like scripture commands us to lay our burdens down, to cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. So I'm a huge advocate of having a prayer journal. And actually writing down by prayer and petition, you know, presenting your request to God. I love the idea of sitting down every morning and presenting whatever it is that is on your mind. And I actually found a verse in the Psalms that was so powerful. It really changed everything about my life the last year. Can I share it with you and your audience? We'll love it. Okay, Psalm 5-3. David is writing this, and I had never— thought of this verse in this way. All, you know, David is this great warrior. He's got a lot of bad things happening to him. And this is what he says in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice in the morning. I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Oh my gosh, Bill. I was like, why don't I do this? David did this. You know, Scripture says, you know, t- you know, God answers prayer. He delights in our well-being. He wants us to lay our burdens down. So I thought, okay, I got to look this up in the Hebrew. You know, what does this mean, lay my request before him? Because some people think, you know, this is the God of the universe. So are you really going to just, like, make a list of things you're worried about? Yes. It says that David ordered his request before the Lord and literally waited to see what God would do. Hmm. And I just love living that way. As someone who struggled with anxiety and depression, I mean, clinical depression for six years, this is one of my favorite mental health practices. It's my favorite way to feel close to Jesus in the morning, because I tell him what I'm worried about, and then guess what? I look the whole entire day for how God's going to move on my behalf, because I laid my request before him. Do you love it? Psalm uh,
0: 5.3. Yeah, I love it, but you get your journal out, and you start writing, and is it fair, because you write so well? I mean, how do the, well, well, how, what I do the rest actually, of us do?
1: I don't actually write. It's not like a diary. Okay. When I say the word journal, it's just a collection of pages that okay. I can keep so I can look back on them, and I make a list. And usually I just do five things I'm worried about, or five things that are on my mind. It also helps clear my mind when I'm trying to read the Bible, or, you know, just when you have your to-do list for the day. And I just talk to the Lord as if I'm just seated with him and we're having a conversation. I just say, God, you know, your word says you hear me. Can you imagine, Bill, that he is hearing you? The Lord of the universe is hearing you. And so I just have little bullet points. Like today I wrote down um, something I was worried about with work. I wrote down actually this interview that I would have good energy because it's dinner time for me right here, you know, in Pennsylvania. And I was like, Lord, you got to sustain me so I have energy with Bill. <laughs> and um, the beauty of the prayer journal, though, is you know I write down some things that are on my mind, and, and it's daily. It's not for tomorrow. It's just for today because you don't need to you know, think about all the stress of tomorrow. Just think about today. What do you want to bring the Lord in for whatever you're worried about today? But what I love about it is I always ask my husband and my two teen daughters, you know, you know, they know I have the prayer journal and I say, you know, what's on your mind today? What do you want me to pray for you about? They always have something that they're worried about. They always have something before them. And then at night, You get to ask your teens or your daughter, you know, however old your children are, or or your husband or whoever's there, your roommate, you can say, I I prayed for that this morning. How did God move on your behalf? What happened? Mm -hmm. Did you see his provision? Did he provide peace in that area? You're going to have an extraordinary kind of revival in your heart when you begin, like David, to wait expectantly. Later, as you read the Psalms, you get this beautiful verse that says, You know, I I proclaim your love in the morning and record your faithfulness at night. So can you imagine at dinner time saying, okay, what what do we put in the prayer journal? So we've been living that way definitely the last year. But the prayer journal has been something I've done since I first understood my relationship with, with Jesus when I was a grad student at the University of Michigan. And, you know, even in college, I remember thinking, you know, God, do you really answer prayer? And I would write down things. And I would say, Oh my gosh, God, you're listening. You provided here. And it really helped me become a worshiper. It really helped me be close to Jesus all day.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. You can go to com. H O L L E M A N. Heather, you said something that just stuck with me when you asked for prayer requests in the morning and then you returned in the evening to say, How did God work? I, I just jotted down on my little notepad here. I noticed and remembered. So I noticed you in the morning, and I asked you what I could pray for. And then yes. in the evening, I say, I remembered that we spoke, and I prayed for you. How did it? How did it work out today? I mean, yes. when people feel noticed and remembered, they feel so loved.
1: They do, they do. And as you know, I am—I um, care deeply about evangelism. My second book that that, that really flows from seated is and I actually use that technique that you just said in the lives of my friends who don't know Jesus because they know I pray for them. And even today, a friend of mine called, and she wanted to celebrate this great thing that had happened. And I said to her, do you remember two months ago you asked me to pray for that? I can't believe this has happened. So I was able to direct the conversation mm. to to a spiritual solution, and it opened the door to talk again about Jesus so it's a really good way if you really want to start sharing your faith with your neighbors prayer is such a good way to open the door of for great conversation
0: you are so much smarter than the average person i got to be honest oh no, not
1: really not really
0: <laughs> seriously i thought about you, that you're making these notes you're you're bringing this you're recalling this discussion and now you've got that much more impact in the moment because you've already talked about it prayed about it it's really smart yes
1: well, I'm not that smart because it's in the Psalms. David says, you know, he records the <laughs> yeah. wonders. He listen to this in Psalm 66. He says, come and listen, come and listen. Let me tell you what he has done for me. So I was like, okay, David obviously kept track. <laughs> you know, he's remembering. <laughs> and then he, he in Psalm 51, when God answers his prayer to restore the joy of salvation, the very next verse that people forget he goes then I will go teach sinners about you. And what is he teaching them? That God answers prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So powerful. Yeah, Heather, you talked about jealousy and comparison. Those are two issues that you said you struggled with. Are those being self absorbed? If you're doing those That's two, a great are question. you are I you self absorbed?
1: Well, it's it is a form of self focus, but it's primarily a lack of faith a lack of a belief in the goodness of God in your life and that he has the perfect blessing life of blessing prepared for you right where you are. I mean, I did I did study shame and narcissism for my PhD. I think someone can be um a wonderful, godly person and not necessarily be obsessed with themselves, you know, and someone will say something or they'll they'll see a family thriving where maybe they're Children are suffering, and the, and the jealousy will just overtake them. But but you either you can't be jealous unless you're thinking about yourself. So that probably is a straight, uh, an accurate statement.
0: Hmm. I love this discussion. Uh, we're going to continue after a short break, talking about being seated at the table. Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest, and we'll uh, be right back. <laughs> You are listening to an
1: encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: That's how fast my mind is racing right now. As I have Dr. Heather Holliman as my guest. She's written a number of books. The one that I love chatting about is... uh, seated with Christ, living freely in a culture of comparison, and when we are understanding that we are God's beloved, seated with Christ in the heavens, treasured by him, and given a place at his table, that should change how we live our lives. Um, Just had a quick question from a listener, Heather. Uh, So when you're praying in the morning, you use Scripture to pray back to Jesus, and do you have individual prayers for each person?
1: I do. I I pray, well, whenever I'm reading the Bible and I note a really good prayer that someone prays in the Bible, I'll pray that for myself. Like David says, you know, right after he says in the morning, you hear my voice, and then he's waiting expectantly. He actually gives you an in- He gives you a little uh, sneak peek of his prayer journal because his prayer is, Lord, lead me. I don't know what I'm doing. Lead me. Make straight your way before me. He asks for protection. He asks for joy. So I say, Lord, those are things I want for my life. And I want to be like David in that way. But for everyone else in the family, I'll ask them, what is on your mind today? What is causing stress? What are you worried about? And what can we ask God for? So you, they'll tell, you know, my girls will call out as they're getting ready in the morning. They'll say, mom, pray for this. I'm nervous about this interview. Pray that I have God's favor or pray that I'm a blessing to these people at my work or pray that, um, you know, I'm able to move, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whatever the list is. So, yes, I do pray Scripture back to the Lord, but I think Scripture's clear that we can cast all of our burdens on Him. That's Psalm 68 and 1 Peter 5-7, cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you.
0: Mm Mm-hmm way when i look at ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the mm-hmm. heavenly realms in christ jesus as believers how long does it take for us to understand that to be true for ourselves Well, as soon
1: as the Holy Spirit illuminates that verse, like He did with me, it was a single day. It was a single day in late July, where I remember exactly where I was sitting, where I read that, and I circled, you know, Seated with Christ, and I thought, okay, I'm already seated at the greatest table with the greatest king. Why in the world am I fighting for a seat with the rich and famous? with the thin women, with the with the moms who have the new kitchen design or whatever it was. I mean, <laughs> Bill, I had a list of 10 <laughs> tables. I mm-hmm. mean, and I share this. When I go to speaking events, women are like, why are you so vulnerable? I give them the list. You know, if only I got an invitation to the table with the thin marathon running. You know, what about the, the women? And for me, I mean, I think men have similar tables, you know, influence. You know, totally. they're thinking of. You know, it's so it's not just you know. I know many men who wish they would. They're also in Weight Watchers with me, so it's not just that I'm a woman saying these things. But I um, I had my list, and you know, this, what I what has really surprised me about understanding that I'm seated with Christ is that Paul was most likely in a room in prison, and he knew that there was a different reality for his life, and that he was in the best place with Jesus. Therefore he knew the secret of being content wherever he was. And he knew that every seat had equal access to all the riches of God's kingdom. So he didn't have to worry about what anyone else was doing. He didn't have to compare his life or wish for a different life. And a lot of women and men, as they reach their forties in particular, they'll say things like, you know, life has passed me by. My dreams haven't come true. You know, they get really depressed. And when you realize you're seated with Christ, you literally, the life that that is happening right now for you is the life planned for you. And the blessings and the riches and the presence of Christ available to you, um, it it will make everything feel that shalom, peace, and that joy. So you don't need to fight um, to belong at another table. So it was um, a revelation by the Holy Spirit, but I reapply that truth pretty much every day. I wish it weren't every day, but it really is, Bill. I mean, I'm I'm in a community where people are comparing, you know, advanced placement scores, who's at which college, which kids are getting married, who's going on this wonderful vacation. And so the temptation to think I'm not living a blessed life, it's every day. I have to say, no, God, our family is seated in the best place with you. The end of Ephesians 2 says that you have good works prepared in advance for us to do that are going to be unique for our family and our situation. And then you can rejoice in other people and the blessing God brings in their life. It's part of their seat. It's not your seat. They're in their seat. So they're going to have all the blessings God stole out for them. But you have equal, you know, access to all of these things that God has for you in that seat. So it really is a deliverance from jealousy and comparison because it's a unique place with Jesus and he has fruit. He's ordained for your life right where you are. So you don't need to wish for, you know, another place.
0: Mhm. So when you understand that you're securely seated at the table, it really is going to change how you process the difficult circumstances in your life, the disappointments, and then this whole comparison game which sounds toxic, I know to some degree we all we all do it. We all play it, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's the biggest lie. Think about think about Eve. She had everything. And Satan was able to convince her that she was missing something.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, you know what I mean? He, yeah. he
1: was able to say, you have everything, but look, there's just one thing you don't <laughs> have. Yeah. And so that's how Satan works. So if you think about your listener, you know, as, as your list, all the listeners listening, you're probably thinking, if only I had this one thing, my life would be really complete or joyful. We start thinking, if only we had this one thing. That is the big lie. That is the big lie of the enemy. Because when you're seated with Christ, the your heart's desire is intimacy with Jesus. That is what you're made for. And you're made to surrender your life and then go on mission with Jesus. That's your scent identity. And um, when that happens, you're so overwhelmed with the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life that it actually doesn't matter where you are or what's happening. In fact, it's so deep, this identity, that when suffering does come, I'm learning. And this has taken a long time. So if you're like, wow, Heather is super mature. No, this is like this long process where even when suffering happens, I actually say to the Lord, okay, I'm in this place. Who am I here? Because there's someone here who doesn't yet know Jesus. Am I here? Because there's someone here who doesn't know they're seated with Christ, and I need to invite them to the table. So I begin to interpret my circumstances through the ruling power of God's goodness, and that he has sent me to seek and save the lost along with, you know, along with Jesus. That's what Jesus is doing. He's seeking and saving the lost. So it just makes you live on a higher level. It's a whole different level of living. You're not, you're just a totally different person. So I hope that makes sense. I just, it's a daily application. And, you know, I wrote that book in 2015, and it it never gets old. I get deeper and deeper into, wow, this is, this is so powerful to be made alive in Christ, and um, you just are free to live the life He's inviting you to live.
0: It is so important. Uh, this, this subject is critical for us to live a secure life because we know we're seated at the table with Christ. And so when we talk about the comparison game, we talk about the way we process life— uh, I just find this whole thing so interesting, Heather, and you do such a beautiful job of communicating it. So um, there's a part in your book where it's called Seated and Set Free, and it's yeah. you say from affluence to access. And I would love for you to talk about that.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, the, the three things I struggled with most, the three tables I most wanted to see that where I'm thinking if these things happen to me, my life would be wonderful was appearance so beauty affluence, which is the pursuit of wealth and and um and uh, achievement, which mm-hmm. was you know if only I could achieve so the affluence piece was really I thought that if only I had money, life would really begin for me and that what I'm missing is, money. And so what I learned when I'm seated with Christ, you actually have access to all the riches of God's kingdom. And and this is no joke. This is, you know, scripture says that he will, you know, richly provide for all of your needs. And, you know, I would memorize passages of scriptures about, you know, that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all times, having all that you need, you know, you will abound in every good work. And, you know, I just, and even verses like that He can richly provide all things for your enjoyment. You know, I really had to circle those verses, write them down, you know, memorize them. And, and I thought, God, you got to break the stronghold in my life, because it's not yeah. wrong to have wealth. Like, God obviously gives the ability to produce wealth, but when you're seated with Christ, it's not an idol, because whatever wealth God gives you and ordains for your life, it's a resource to be used, mm-hmm. and you don't worry about it anymore. I mean— and again, Paul was in prison. This is a situation where he's impoverished. So a lot of people would say, You can't say that. We, you know, there are actual people with actual problems where they actually need, you know, money and clothing. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, Paul Paul was in the same situation.
0: Yeah, Dr. And Heather he was
1: able to,
0: Yes. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Dr. Heather Holliman is my guest. Her book is seated with Christ, living freely in a culture of comparison. Maybe you've got a question for Heather about comparison or jealousy you can certainly text it over 877-933-2484 we'll be right back
1: you are listening to an encore presentation of afternoons with bill arnold faith hope and clarity in a special repeat performance
0: Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Welcome back. So glad to have Dr. Heather Holloman with me this hour. She got her PhD uh, in English literature from the University of Michigan, and she is a professor, a teacher at uh, Penn State. She teaches both freshman composition and advanced writing, and you can understand why if you I never buy her books they're amazing and I always love her style and her ability to communicate both in uh, print and on the show so um, had a question from a listener uh, that said uh, w- I didn't understand what she meant when she talked about what she did when suffering could she flush that out a bit
1: yes okay well here's my example when I first started realizing sort of God that God was always going to provide for me and that if I were in a bad situation, it was probably because he was going to use me in the life of someone else. It was when I was grinding my teeth at night so badly as a graduate student that I was going to have to, I was destroying my jaw, Bill, destroying <laughs> my jaw. I shouldn't and laugh. I needed
0: this. <laughs> Do you make it sound funny? <laughs> well,
1: No, it's terrible. Well, I needed this night guard um, that was going to cost $800, this occlusal custom fit night guard. And I was in church and the pastor said, you know, um, what is your prayer request? Turn to the person beside you. And I, I didn't have insurance. I didn't have the $800. So I turned to the man beside me and I, you know, which is always awkward. I didn't know him. And I just said, I, my prayer is that I need $800 because I need this mouth guard. And he said, well, I'm a dentist. And I would like to provide that mouth guard for you. Now, that's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story is, you know, I was really suffering. Like my, and to this day, I have jaw problems because of the stress and the grinding my teeth. But what happened was, I went to the dental the the dental office, and the dental hygienist was preparing my mouth for the for the mouth guard. And she said to me, "How did you hear of our practice?" And I was in so much pain. You know, my jaw is hurting. And I looked up at her and I said. I prayed, and the person beside me was your boss and the dentist, and, you know, I told her the whole story, well, Bill, she started to cry, tears going down her face, and this is what she said, you pray, you pray to God, and he listens to you, and she starts weeping, and that was the first time I understood my scent identity, that God had used the suffering of my jaw to send me. To someone who needed him. And I was able to, you know, I, I was part of Crew, formerly Campus Crew Save for Christ, so they had trained me in how to share my faith. And that was the first time I dug into my purse and I said, Look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm new at this. I'm going to totally screw this up. <laughs> and I shared with her how she could know God personally so that he would hear her prayers. And so after that moment, whenever something bad happens to me, even if it's like my dishwasher breaks, I think, It's that's not the story. The story is that the repairman might need to know you. Or if I'm in the hospital, I'm learning, you know, I've had a kidney stone. I have all this, you know, rheumatology appointments. Because of my seated and sent identity, I'm thinking, okay, that's not actually the story. My joint pain is not the story. The story is I'm gonna pray for the new rheumatologist I'm gonna meet. I wanna be an agent of blessing and proclamation in her life. So that's what I mean by reinterpreting my suffering, because I'm thinking God is so good. He's doing something that's part of his plan. I'm under—Hannah I, I, Smith calls it the ruling power of his goodness. So he's working something out. It's hard to say that, by the way, when you're in acute suffering, like right. if someone has died. So never say that to someone who's in the midst of that. But what it what is true, and I'm old enough now that I can say this, is God does begin to work out a beautiful plan through loss and through suffering, and I'm learning because of my sent identity that it has something to do with leading people to Jesus. I don't know what you think about that, but that is what God's
0: been teaching me. I, I think that's profound, really. That's the way you reframe stuff when you have difficult yeah. circumstances. You already are looking out, thinking, how is this going to be used for God's kingdom in greater purpose, and what might I do to bring someone to know the Lord?
1: Yes. And it makes the suffering easier. It takes my mind off myself and it ge- it makes the suffering meaningful and hopeful, which actually is such a beautiful thing. And I'm someone who has to really protect my mental health. I tend towards despair if I don't actively cultivate a hopeful heart. So, again, it's what you said. I reframe the circumstances mm-hmm. towards hope. So, yes.
0: Yeah, here's a small world story. I got a text just right now uh, from someone who is friends with your friend, Amy, who you went to school with in Michigan.
1: Amy Russell. Amy Russell. Who's now Amy Litwa?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all here in the text. I wasn't going to say her last names. I just thought I'd I'd see if it would trigger. uh, You knew exactly who she was talking about.
1: Yes, Amy is one of the most precious friends in my life, and we journeyed together as I was learning how to surrender my life to the Lord and and really trust Him with my seat at the table. You know, I was someone who went to Michigan thinking, okay, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have anything good happen to me. (laughs) I was one of those people who thought, if you follow Jesus, it means bad things will happen to you. No, as soon as I started surrendering and really I call it consecrating your life. You basically say to the Lord, you have the right to do whatever you want with me. Well, guess what's going to happen? He's so good. You just wait. You can never—you're going to be amazed at how he pours out like unimaginable blessings. That's why my wedding verse was from Ephesians 3, that he does immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. So Amy was part of my journey at Michigan, learning to trust God with my life.
0: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So in your book, I'm speaking to Dr. Heather Holloman. Her book is Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. In uh, your book, you talk about four hard but great questions. Hmm. Yes. I'd, yes. Like, I'd like to know these what are they
1: my, are. <laughs> well, these are uh, my surrender questions because um, let me just say this. Once you know that you're seated, it is the safest place in the world at no point are you going to lose that seat? And why does that matter? It matters because it's a safe place for you to go to the Lord with your hardest questions and all of your sin, things that you know. Like here's one of the four questions and I'll give you all four. But one of the questions I ask Jesus is, is there anything in my life that doesn't please you? And I wait, and the Holy Spirit is that voice of conviction letting you know you're going down a wrong path. And some of you listening probably are feeling that right now, like you're right. I mean, the voice of the Holy Spirit, it, you, you want to be led um, in paths of righteousness. You you don't want to begin to even give, um, you know, they call it giving the enemy a foothold. So I just do an evaluation, like, God, where am I getting off course? Where am I doing things that aren't pleasing you. And this could be things I'm watching on TV or ways I'm spending my time or my money. You know, even today I was like, I really like TikTok. Is this pleasing to you, Lord? You know, things like that, things on social media. Um, the first question, though, that really gets to the root of idolatry is you have to ask this question. Is, there, is knowing Jesus better than anything? Because if you can answer that question in the affirmative, it means that you don't have an idol operating. If you can't, if you're like, well, I don't know, how surrendered will I be? You know, how great is Jesus? So really building a life where you're always thinking about the greatness of Jesus means that it it doesn't matter what happens to you because knowing him is better than anything. Which leads to the second question, which is this, will you and me, will we live the life God asks us to? Now, that question can set some of you free from depression, from anger. And I mean that because I battled depression and part of my depression was I hated the life God had given me. I didn't want some of the things that were happening in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I said to the Lord, Well, I'll live the life you ask me to, that surrender, you know, Galatians two twenty was my life first about being crucified with Christ. That really set me free to just live a life of complete surrender. So, and then the third question is what we talked about. Is there anything in my life that doesn't please you? And then the last question is, am I available to be your spokesperson? And that's your sent identity. Are you willing and available to be sent wherever God wants to send you, your workplace, your neighborhood? He could send you to you know, another country, but I really believe he searches out the places where you live right now because he has a great ministry for you right where you are.
0: Uh, it's just so good. <laughs> it's so good. Does it please you, Lord? Uh, <laughs> Rosie and I were wincing, like, uh-oh, we've we got oh, work to do.
1: Doing something? Yeah, but it's joyful. Whole, just remember, Satan is the accuser. He wants right. us to live in shame. right. The Holy Spirit, it's a voice of joy. It's joyful correction. So I remember, and and I don't say this to um, at all make anyone feel guilty because some of these things are personal decisions because I'm just not someone who can do it. But I remember when all of my students were watching Game of Thrones, and they said, Dr. H., you need to watch Game of Thrones. And I started to watch it, and I just, the Holy Spirit was like, Heather, this is not good for your soul. Don't do this. But I know other people love that. I'm not saying that, you know, I— we have debates in our neighborhood about whether or not watching The Bachelorette is ungodly and and pleases God. So you can get really judgmental sure. about these things. So I just believe there's a lot of freedom in those areas, but certain decisions for me, I know the Holy Spirit saying this is not good for you. This is sin. This and and you know I make a list in seated with Christ of ways you know that something's violating Scripture because a lot of young people that I mentor they actually don't know that certain things are are considered. Disobedience to God. Like they don't know that scripture says, you know, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. You know, they would say, well, why does God want me to date a Christian? Where does it say that in scripture? They'll say stuff like that to me. And I'm like, well, let's look at some of the passages of scripture where you can ask God, you know, what pleases you more here? You know, things like that, just to make lists of things in scripture that help direct your life. But again, it's not condemnation. Right. Scripture says there's no condemnation. You're already declared righteous before the Lord. So, you're confessing sin in agreement with God that these things are not pleasing to Him, but at no point is your seat taken from
0: you. Mm-hmm. Heather, here's another question. Suggestions, please, on comparisons with others' relationships. Some parents brag, their kids tell them everything, very involved in their family. It's painful because I don't have yes. that. I pray a lot.
1: Oh. Oh, you know what? That is the hardest thing. And as a mom, that just cuts into my heart because mm-hmm. you want this vibrant, wonderful family. What I do is I would say, Lord, this is the life you've given me. I'm coming to you. Honestly, I want, and and pray specifically for what you want. You know, God, give me wisdom and how to help my kids have a warm relationship with me. Show me If there's anything I'm doing, show me, you know, lead me to a mentor, lead me to resources. So I just, you're doing the right thing by praying. And then know that God has you in this moment. And then what I love is, even if the situation doesn't change, Jesus's presence and what he can provide in terms of his peace and love and tender mercies in your life will make it okay. So I keep two quotes in my um in my purse about this because i've had situations like this as i was really struggling one is elizabeth Elliot. she said god never withholds from his child that which his love and wisdom call good god's refusals are always merciful severe mercies at times but mercies all the same god never denies us our heart's desire except to give us something better now i would be like well but you You love family. You love the warm connection. And so I just say, God, you're not moving in this area. So you need to give me something better, which is you. You know, A.W. Tozer, my favorite theologian, he says that God is so vastly wonderful and so utterly and completely delightful that he can, without anything other than himself, meet and overflow the deepest demands of your total nature. Mm -hmm. Do you not love that?
0: So. It, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, Dr. Heather Holloman is my guest. Her book is Seated with Christ: Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. I just looked it up on Amazon. It's got 209 ratings, five stars across the board. I've never seen that many stars lit up in my life. Anyway, we're going to come back if you've got a question about jealousy or comparison. Uh, you can ask, we'll we'll ask Heather on your behalf. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. listening to
1: an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: I'm back with Dr. Heather Holloman, and we're talking about her book, Seated with Christ. It's a very powerful message that helps you focus back on your position in Christ, especially in a world of comparison and Heather, I would say with all the social media stuff, the comparison game, the stakes have changed significantly in the last decade.
1: Yes, that's absolutely right. I don't know how I would have done emotionally <laughs> if yeah. I had raised my children. I mean, there, now I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, and we missed that that major thrust where everyone is comparing, you know, everything on social media. And there's lots of arguments about how to raise children best. And a lot of criticism, I mean, the tone has changed. The communication climate is now a lot about division, controversy, complaining, critique. It's so different from 10 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. So the goal of the book, I'm sure, is intimacy with Jesus. That's um, pretty clear that you understand you're seated in the heavenly realms, and I think we have to be always reminded, and this is what I love about not only your book, but your enthusiasm, that you remind us, of our identity in Christ. And we haven't really talked a ton about identity, but I think it's come out in most of the hour, uh, just in in non-direct ways. But let's talk about identity.
1: Well, identity in Christ, when you're seated with Him, you're, actually, you're totally secure in your position. And that's important for professional people listening, because we're always worried about our achievement and everything. And when your identity is You're seated at the best table already, so that now you're just waiting for your instructions, you know, to live out the fruit that God's ordained for your life. And that really matters. I mean, as a professor, I I enter into a lot of committee meetings, and I'm in a lot of meetings where everything's about rank, everything's about who's doing what, this achievement. But when you're seated, you're so secure that you're actually freed up to love people and serve them. You can really enact Philippians 2 where it says we're to take on the nature of a servant like Jesus did and humble ourselves, you can do that because you're in the best seat. You're at the greatest table with the greatest king. So now you're already, you know, the best things already happened to you. So now you're just, your life becomes this overflow where your question when you enter a room is, you know, who needs a blessing here? How can I serve? Whereas before I knew I was seated with Christ, I would walk into a room, and seek attention, prestige, you know, that was me. That that's. I mean, that's why the book was so transformative. I mean, after I wrote Seated with Christ, people would say, you know, what has happened to you? You've <laughs> become a different person.
0: Heather, uh, I know that there's been areas in which you and all of us have some degree have been trying to get seated at a specific table. It's, it's a certain club or group or, yeah. uh, you know, peer that we want to sort of be a part of, and now that you're an author too, do you find yourself thinking, I wonder how many likes I got?
1: Sometimes, okay. yes. Sometimes I mean, I would cry I mean that's why I wrote Chosen actually. Did do you want me to tell you that very embarrassing?
0: Sure, I'd love it, yeah. Right?
1: Well, I knew I was through with Christ, but the problem was when you're a public Christian figure, there's all this you know, you're, there are all these events, right? And there's this seems like to me, there's this kind of like secret club of Christian celebrity women that are always the keynote speaker at these events. And I'm never on that list because <laughs> even though I write books, I'm really not a good celebrity. I, I don't, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, anyway, one day everyone on Twitter was celebrating these great Christian leaders and I was doing my dishes, you know, in my small little Pennsylvania life. And I just said to the Lord, God, I'm never chosen. I'm never chosen for these things. I know I'm seated, but I'm never chosen. <laughs> well, I wrote the entire book <laughs> on the first part of Ephesians that says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world and that I can live a life where I'm already chosen and I'm chosen for Christ. So I do worry about that, but I'll be honest, the older I get, the more I realize that, the, that it That it's really, I mean, everyone tells you this, but you don't know it until you experience it. It is profoundly empty. I mean, fame is profoundly empty because it's the illusion of intimacy. Like if you go to a speaker event or a big event, like say I'm at an event and there's 5,000 in the audience, they all know me. I don't know them. Mm -hmm. So there's no warm connection. It just seems like it would be fulfilling. You know what I mean? So people, I don't know anyone who who everyone I know would say the greatest need of the human heart, um, I mean, in the Harvard grant study proves this, is warm relationships. You want fellowship, you want love, uh, you want to know that you belong. And so the likes don't really matter to me like they maybe did five years ago. Five years ago, I really paid attention to that. Now I think, okay, and Moody, my publisher, actually helped me with this. They don't look at sales, they look at impact. They want to know what your impact is, and they don't care as much about the celebrity idea. That's why they signed me as an unknown author, because they liked the messages seeded, even though nobody knew who I was. And most people still don't know who I am. A lot of, I'll go to speaking events, and people will not read. They'll be like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a speaker. They're like, what? Who are you? <laughs> so God has protected me and kept me anonymous for a lot of, you know, yeah. for a lot of journey.
0: Yeah. I'm at that stage. Why do you worry
1: about, like, No, you worry about this, Bill?
0: Well, not really. I mean, I think I'm right between Don't I Know You and Didn't You Used to Be Bill Arnold. I think I'm somewhere there in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking about—
1: Well, you're—yes. You're, I mean, I've, I've also learned um, to leave the results to God, and you really can't measure— Your impact. You can't measure what God although it's harder for you because I know you're a comedian and you're looking for the last, I'm sure. So if that doesn't happen, you're like, Lord, what did I
0: do? Yeah.
1: So you just gotta put it in God's hands. And you may have um you know, my book Guarded did not sell well at all. And I was like, Oh, nobody's talking about this. I'm not getting anything. Why did I even write this book? God no it, it was like it bombed. Nobody read it. Well, one day I was out somewhere and a woman came up to me and she said I need to meet you and I said why and she said my son is in prison and every night I hold your book guarded on my um, chest and I cry the whole night long holding your book oh my and I just thought okay I wrote it for you yeah and I don't need anything else Wow!
0: I don't like getting choked up so close to the end of the show why did you do that (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, it's sweet. You just never know what God will do. He's ordained fruit for your life. Right. You just trust him with it.
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking about being the the expression seated in Christ, and I'm pretty sure Paul was in prison, probably in a filthy prison when he wrote that.
1: Yes. Most likely in
0: a prison. Yeah. So if you're you're in that prison of sorts—we just talked about prison, which made me think of that— Maybe it's something financial or maybe it's a relationship or your health. That could feel like prison. Mm-hmm. So yes. then, then the idea of reminding ourselves, speaking truth into our hearts that yes, we are seated in Christ regardless of whatever those seats look like in our current life.
1: Right. And and if you if you want to hear something really delightful, Paul kept reminding himself too, because in Colossians three. He says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Don't you love that? That's what he said in Colossians, which he wrote after Ephesians, so he's reminding himself, right? It right. Didn't he write Colossians after? I think. I don't know my biblical <laughs> dates, but I think Colossians is a later letter. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong.
0: Yeah. And isn't there seated in Christ and seated with Christ? Is there is that in the Bible? Or am I just every time That's Hebrews, isn't it? It's Rosie said Hebrews.
1: Yes, 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 yes. The the prepositions I wish I knew better Greek. I think it's you're just seated with him. And then in Ephesians two, you're seated with Christ and you're in Christ. It's so weird. You're in Christ and then seated with Christ. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense that you're in Him, in Christ, but also kind, of also with Him. It's a mystery. You're so you're experiencing conscious union with Him. Is the point? Mm-hmm. You're both with Him and in Him. It's the deepest kind of knowing. Yeah, so that's what how I like to think of it.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, Heather. Every time you're on, I'm, I'm always, I'm always so delighted, and I love your material, and I think. You not only write and communicate beautifully, but you leave something in the brown paper bag that everybody goes home with to think about, to pray about, to chew on, and this freedom in Christ that we talk about, boy, that, that's where we're all that's what the desires of our heart, my heart anyway, and I know yours too.
1: Yes. So remember the seated identity, but don't forget the sent identity. It it's, gets better than just seated, because you're also sent. That's he,
0: what I like. Seated and sent. Heather, thank you so much. Have you had your dinner or are you gonna go eat now?
1: My husband made it, and he has a bowl waiting for what me. What is it? So, What's for he, is, he made kung pao veggies. So we love Asian food. Nice. And he made um, kung pao veggies with rice. And tomorrow we're doing sushi.
0: Did he make it in a wok? Yes.
1: Uh, still, do you do this?
0: Oh well, no, I don't make. I don't have a wok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, we make it in a wok, yeah. and we have all the yummy um, uh, Chinese seasonings. And yeah, yeah we love. Yeah. cooking together.
0: Well, Heather, thanks for being on the show. Always great to have you on. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Okay,
1: have a great night.
0: Thanks. Dr. Heather Holloman has been my guest. Her book is Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison. I've loved it. I hope you have too. I'm looking forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. See you then.